Hello, this is Chris from We Hate Bards. I'd just like to thank you for listening to our podcast. And if you like what you hear, we have plenty of more podcast material on iTunes, or you can check our website at wehatebardspodcast.com. If you like what you hear, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you want to join any of our games, you can look us up on Meetup at We Hate Bards. Membership is always free, and we have games going pretty much all week. If you want to support us and throw a little coin our way, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash wehatebards. Backers will receive early release podcasts and custom content, including homebrew games, custom modules, and more. So thanks again for listening. And now, on to the podcast. Greetings, this is Chris from We Hate Bards, again for another solo quest um, with me, and only me. Uh, today we're going to be doing or playing uh, another fighting fantasy game book. Um, number seven, uh, The Island of the Lizard King by Ian Livingstone, or Livingstone, either way. So it's got a got like a baboon on the cover and like a, a lizard man thing with a tail with a flaming sword and uh uh yeah like a like a weird panther looking thing with tusks and yeah. So hopefully this will be a much better uh longer adventure than Death Trap Dungeon, uh, which ended me getting eaten by a giant worm uh underground and it cut my head off. So um, I've already rolled up my character. Uh, quick little thing. Uh, his name is going to be Ralph, because I don't think they actually give you character names in here. I think you're just the hero. So, Ralph the hero. Uh, his skill is 9, stamina is 19, and luck is 8. So, mm, about average uh, in every way. Um, took a potion of strength to restore that stamina after I get the crap kicked out of me, because uh, that can very easily happen. So... Don't really get much else. You just get meals, nothing else. You can find stuff on the adventure. Uh, yeah, so we're going to dig deep in right now to the background. Um, so, ooh, it kind of... I have one of the older books, uh, folks. This one was actually one from the 80s, not the one that reprints. So some of the the text is like a little bit kind of worn on these first couple pages. But let's see if we can read it. Okay, that's all right. So, the background. Oyster Bay is a quiet fishing village some 60 miles down the coast from notorious Port Black Sand. Because it is the end along the long peninsula, uh, because it is at the end of a long peninsula reached only by a steep and winding path, the fishermen and their wives are left to lead a simple but content life away from the monsters and sorcery of the hinterland. <laughs> Generally south of Fang, uh, you decide that you could do with a few days rest, and knowing of no more peaceful place in Oyster Bay, you urge a horse towards the coast. Besides, an old adventuring friend of yours called Mungo lives there now, and it has been years since you last saw him. Ooh, I'm going to write down Mungo. Mungo. Two days later, you arrive at the edge of the cliffs overlooking Oyster Bay. It is a beautiful sunny morning, and everything looks tranquil below. Nothing seems to have changed. The cluster of stone cottages nestled between the foot of the hills and the and the jetty, where a dozen fishing boats lie at anchor. You jump off your horse and walk in down walk in down the winding path to the village. The first people you see are the group of crying women. As you approach them, several men step out of the cottages and run towards you. One of the four is your old friend Mungo. Oh, Mungo, you Mungo! His weather-beaten face is full of anger. He looks surprised to see you, but wastes no time with words of welcome. He recounts the sad events that had befallen the village. Rutrow. 
Having no gold or material wealth, the people of Oyster Bay thought themselves safe from raiders attacking their village. But several weeks ago, while most of the men were out at sea, the lizard men of Fire Island landed their boats in Oyster Bay and kidnapped several young men. Mongo believes they are now enslaved in Fire Island and working in chain gangs in the gold mines. Since the kidnapping, the two men were left to guard the village while the rest went out to fish. Despite this, the lizard men attacked again this very morning, overpowering the guards and taking away more young men. Mungo tells you that he is about to set sail to Fire Island alone because the other fishermen are too scared to set foot on the island. He stares at you in silence until you smile and say that you will aid him in his quest. He slaps you on the back and shakes your hand in gratitude. For the moment the poor uh, fishing folk forget their grief and crowd around you, eager to thank you, Mungo then invites you to dine with him and, and rest a while, as the voyage to Fire Island will take several hours. Over a delicious feast of boiled lobster and salad, you discuss your plans. Mongo tells you that he does not think that the humans live on Fire Island any does not think that humans live on the island any longer, but his knowledge is fairly limited. These are just rumors that pass between fishermen from the coastal villages. However, it is known that Fire Island used to be a prison colony guarded by a tribe of paid lizard men. This was a rather futile attempt by the Prince Olaf to rid his land of undesirable characters. The good prince soon learned that it would have been simpler to put his lawful citizens on Fire Island and leave the evildoers on the mainland. There were just too many of them. He gave up his attempt and abandoned the prison colony. When the lizard men received no pay, they took the vengeance on the prisoners and the island became a place of terror ruled by lizard men prison guard who, pro who proclaimed himself king. The prisoners were forced to dig mines in hopes of finding gold for the Lizard King. They were unfettered and ill-treated, and many died. This is presumed why the Lizard King is sending out his men to find new slaves. It is known that in order to assert his authority, the Lizard King began practicing voodoo and black magic. Well, of course he did. You know, what Lizard King doesn't? Mm. I've got some coffee here, folks, because it's a little early, and I'm, uh, I'm thirsty, and I want some, some caffeine. So, oh boy, okay, this is good. He also started genetic experiments in an attempt to breed an invincible race of lizard men. <laughs> okay, most of the experiments were wrong. <laughs> As they do, grotesque mutants were created, and some of the harmful uh, potions found their way into the water trains with terrible consequences. The local flora and fauna were affected. With the results, the man-eating plants developed, and giant beasts evolved. A few of the prisoners managed to escape the island rafts and were picked up by fishermen. But what happened in the last few years, nobody knows. Fire Island has almost been forgotten until these recent raids. Succession request to assassinate the Lizard King and rescue the kidnapped victim is doubtful. But you must try. Okay, so we gotta go murk this Lizard King and get the captives. Got it. You stand up, walk down the jetty with Mungo, stepping aboard his small fishing boat. In the sight of cheering visitors, you would tie the boat and push out to sea, wondering if it ever return. Probably not. Uh, I don't have a good track record with these uh, books. Uh, so, you know, uh, like the last one. The only one that's been so far has been pretty good that I played is, well, I did mm, get to the end of Firetime Mountain and then got, like, the big, big shaft. I'll consider that a win. But the Forest of Doom was actually really good. I actually did fairly well at that. But I don't have as good stats. I found out that... that even though these books are like, stats don't matter. Stats totally, totally matter. Like, if you've got a really good skill and a really good stamina, yeah, you're good. So, ooh, it's a picture of Mungo. Ooh, he's cut up. Yeah, ooh. All right. 
Mungo's years as fisherman of Oyster Bay have made him a skillful boatman. He swiftly hoists the sail of the small boat and sets a course due west across the silvery blue sea. The land soon recedes in the distance, and you sit back on the deck, relaxing the afternoon sunshine. In the stern, you hear Mary whistling, the creak of the rudder, and Mungo occasionally calling out to a seabird passing overhead. You think about the good times you used to have with Mungo, his constant cheerful nature and willingness to help people in need. You find it difficult to believe that so much evil exists in the land uh, where the lives of likes of Mungo would live the likes of Mungo. As hours drift by, you talk and laugh, trying to ignore the dangers ahead. Mungo has always wanted to tell a tale, and he is now telling you about his father and how he used to work in the traveling circus. He was a big man, big as a mountain, last Mungo, and he would do just about anything for a paying crowd. Wrestle trolls, have elements stand on him, he even let a killer bee sting him. He was a tough old customer, but he finally met his match in the north. The circus was in Fang as one of the attractions during the festivities around the Trial of Champions, and my father decided on a whim to enter. He walked into Death Trap Dungeon and, alas, was never seen again. He was really too old for such an ordeal, although there was no telling him that. But at least he tried. Ooh, see, they're setting it up for Death Trap Dungeon, which, yeah, that's a Death Trap. Just as Mungo's about to tell you his next tale, he jumps and shouts, Land Ahoy! at the top of his voice, as though you were yelling anew to the crew of Galleon. You look to where he is pointing and see Fire Island in the distance. The island sits on the sea like a, like a green cushion, with a jagged mountain protruding from it. Smoke gently curls up from the top, a volcano's fuming anger waiting to explode. Mungo steers the boat towards a small inlet to the eastern tip of the island, hoping that it will regain concealment between the high rocks. You both put on your backpacks and clamber out of the boat to begin your quest to find the Lizard King. If you wish to scramble around the rocks to the beach in the cove to your left, turn to page 24. If you wish to clamber over the rocks on the other side of the inlet uh, to the beach to the cove to the right, turn to page 33. Uh, let's go to the right. Let's turn to page 33. Do, 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 do. Let's see what we get. Okay. You soon reach the beach. Uh, but duck down behind rocks when you see what is happening. A rowboat that has been dragging onto the beach, obviously by six pirates, who are standing around a large chest. You look at Mungo and discuss what to do. If you wish to attack the pirates, turn to page 340. If you wish to rather climb back to the inlet and over the beach to the other cove, turn to page 24. Um, okay. So, my murder hobo in me says, we need to, we need to murder these pilots, like, now. But... We try and play it straight. So Ralph says, like, we gotta defeat the Lizard King. Who cares about these pirates? Let's turn to page 24. Like, we've got, we've got bigger fish to fry. Um, you know, we can come back later. So, it does not take you long to reach the beach, which is small and covered with golden sand. A few rocks shut into the sea, and as far into the beach you see a tiny hut made of white stone. The roof has collapsed and the hut looks deserted. There are some long tracks in the sand crisscrossing the beach. If you wish to walk across the beach to the hut, turn to page 211. If you'd rather climb back to the inlet and over the beach, turn to the cove, turn to page 33. We're going to go to the hut. We'll go to the hut and see what's at the hut. Probably a monster of some sort. Ooh, ooh, I don't know about this. Oh, no. Okay. You're about halfway across the beach when you suddenly, a large mound of sand by the sea just starts to rise in the air. There you see six large spiny legs and a pair of pincers. And the sand slides off a huge shell. Its eyes widen at the dawning sight of a giant crab before you. It scuttles across sand, picking up Mungo with one of his pincer. Mungo cries out in pain, unable to free himself from the vice-like grip. If you wish to help Mungo, turn to page 182. If you'd rather run to the stone hut, turn to page 307. Well, you're darn right I'm going to help Mungo. He's my best friend. Like, why wouldn't... Why would, why would I not do that? 
Why would Ralph not do that? Turn to page 182. All right, we got to fight this giant crab, I think. Oh, fudge sickles. Okay, you run at the giant crab with your sword drawn. It drops Mungo to the sand in order to attack you with both pincers. Oh, jeez. So giant crab has a skill of 10 and stamina of 11. Oh, this is going to be a brutal fight. Okay, so again, how, how, how it works. So I roll my two dice. Okay, so I got 7. 7 plus 9 is... uh. 16. I, why it took me so long to do that. So, and then I roll the, you know, the crab's dice. Uh, 5, and he's got 10, 15, so I do 2 points of damage to the crab. So, so 2 points of damage. And then, like, we kind of continue to do this. So I, like, I just beat the crab with my sword. Another 7, 16. Ooh, that's not good. He just, he does 2 points of damage to me with his giant pincer, pincer thing. Uh, Oh, oh, that's not good. Oh, that's not good. Okay, all right, that's not good. He's doing a lot of damage to me because uh, I just rolled snake eyes. Ooh, but I meet it up with 16. Yeah, come on, get some crab. Come on, come on, I'm back on my feet. Ready to party. Just gotta get that crab. So six, nine. Ooh, he does another two points of damage to me. It, things are not looking good, folks. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting six. Ooh, six and three. All right, so I do two more points of damage to him. Okay, so he's got 11 stamina here. Eight, nine. Ooh, he doesn't have two points of damage to me because he's got one more skill. This is, see, this is why I say, like, skill don't matter. Skill totally matters. So seven, four, two more damage to him. I hate, hate this giant crab. Damn it. Okay. Ooh, I am getting the crap beat out of me. I'm down to half health right now. Oh, yeah. Twelve. Okay. So, one, two. Ooh, one more hit. The crab is crab is all bleeding everywhere. It's bleeding. It's crab blood. It's eight. Crab is dead. Just run up. Stick my sword in his giant crab face. They give it a little twist at the end. A little cracking. All right. If you win, turn to page 366. I'm going to have to drink my stamina potion immediately because that sucked. Okay. But I still got Mungo. If Mungo dies, if Mungo, like, is mortally wounded, I'm gonna be, like, super pissed. Oh, you, you. This is, this is some, this is some grade A bullshit. Kneeling down beside the crushed body of Mungo, you gently lift his head in your arms. His eyes open a little as he manages to half a smile despite his agony. He whispers, well, old friend, it's the end of the road for me. A lot of you I've been. Make sure you get the Lizard King for me, won't you? Then his eyes close and he slumps down dead. You bury him in the beach near the cliff, making the grave mark with your sword skewered in the sand. More determined than ever, you set off in your quest and walk to the stone hut. Turn to page 198. Oh, you better believe that I'm going to kill that Lizard King. How dare he have any association with uh with the death of Mungo. Oh, that was... That was oh. <sighs> Just so upset about that. And I knew it was coming too. I knew, I knew that, that, that they were going to do it and they were going to murk Mungo, uh, as soon as like, you know, it's like, let's learn his life story and his dad and stuff and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. Yeah, setting it up so you can, so you can grease him. Okay. Okay. I'm all right. I'm all right though. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. Uh, I am going to drink my potion of strength and get my stamina back up to full because that fight was just brutal and took more than half my hit points so we go to the hut turn to page 198 
you know, setting some tears about Mungo. Let's see here. 98. Uh, the abandoned hut is littered with broken furniture, smashed pottery, and a few bits of torn clothing. You kick away a dirty rug and see the handle of a trapdoor on the floorboards. If you wish to lift the trapdoor, turn to page 267. If you'd rather leave the hut, turn to page 152. Well, if there is a place to go down, we are going to go down. Let's see. Okay. So, so you pull on the handle and lift up the trapdoor. In a small compartment, you see a wooden box. You lift it out of place on the floor. The lid is covered with candle wax. If you wish to open the box, turn to page 354. If you'd rather leave the hut, turn to page 152. I mean, 354 it is. We're going to open that box up. Okay. It's covered with candle wax, so it's probably going to be a gas. It's going to kill me. Okay. So, the lid lifts up easily, and inside you find a corked earthenware jug and a note which reads, Many years ago I came to Fire Island for peace and solitude. But since the lizard men have dwelt here, such an existence is no longer possible. I have now returned to the mainland. Many of the plants and bushes here are poisonous. A scratch can kill you. Drink my potion from this jug and you will come to no harm. I wish you well for whatever reason you are here. Farewell, Baskin. If you wish to drink the liquid in the jug, if you rather leave the hut immediately. Oh, we, we have to drink. Drink, 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 drink. Uh, let's drink the thing from the jug. Ooh, the liquid taste of aniseed is milky in color. You gulp it down and feel no effects and can only presume it will protect you on the journey ahead. You put down the jug and leave the hut. Turn to page 152. Okay, so we drank the jug, guzzled it down. So behind the hut, you see a narrow goat track leading up the side of the cliff. You wend your way up and are quite exhausted by the time you reach the top. You take a swig of water from the flask and realize the water storage could be a problem for you on the island. Looking west, you see a daunting sight of the sleeping volcano standing above the trees, but no sign of life. Although you can certainly hear it, it can of birds and insect noise. With the light quickly fading, you decide to camp for the night beside some rocks. You do not sleep very well and are awake at first light. Eager to set off, you decide to head directly to west in the tree. Turn to page 391. You got it. 391. Come get some. Let's see. Okay. Oh, excuse me. The undergrowth between the trees is dense. Plants with long or broad leaves, some with spiny tips, vines, creeper fungus, roots of flowers, all sizes, sh shapes, and colors, fighting for light and space in the humid jungle thicket. You have to use your sword to cut through, and it is a long and slow process. If you wish to sit down and rest at the base of a giant tree, turn page 33. If you rather continue hacking your way to the west, turn page 81. Uh, I mean, we got we, 81. We got to keep going. Like, Mungo didn't die for nothing with giant crab. As you push your way slowly through the undergrowth, the hairs in the back of your neck start to prickle, and you feel you're being watched. You stand back, so ready, watching the leaves of any sign of movement. Then three dark-skinned men step into view, each wearing only crude loincloth. They are armed with stone clubs and long spears. But you're, you are more alarmed to see that each wears a belt of shrunken human heads. Ooh, the headhunters are about to argue about who should kill you and earn the right to wear your head on his belt. Finally, one steps forward. Fight them one at a time. So there's three headhunters. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna murk these gentlemen. So they got a skill of six. I have a skill of nine. Okay. So chop the first one. That's eight. That's also eight. That's another two points. All right. Six. Eight. So six. Fifteen. Eight is. Okay. So first one, just gut him. 
like fish, walks up, just cut that guy open, and I say, next, second headhunter, I say, this one's for Mungo. <laughs> okay, I cut him once. Okay, ooh, not, not good. Oh, oh, but I got him off balance, folks. I got him on the ropes, got him back up against a tree. Oh, yeah, I just, I just, you know, at the end, just stick my sword, like, right in his mouth. Comes out the back of his skull. There's some gurgling. And then I turn to the third one, and I say, time to finish up. Six. Ooh, 11. Ooh, ooh, 18. Six. Oh, yeah, so he, he gets me. He cuts me. Take a look. I see the point where he cut me. I put my finger and I taste it. I say, nobody makes me bleed. Okay, so there are two points in that guy. So 6, 15, and 9, 16. Oh, he doesn't have two points of damage to me. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, there are two points to him. It's not looking so hot, folks. Oh, he's hanging by a thread. And now, I'm not even going to use my sword. I kick him to death <laughs> in the stomach until he goes unconscious, and then I keep kicking him, thinking of Mungo, screaming his name. <laughs> all right, so like I, I murk all those guys, and I am going to eat one of my meals uh, because uh, I do four points of damage. That will help me recover some of my stamina. Okay, turn to page 177. Oh, they probably had nothing on them as well. So the headhunters have no items or equipment on them, but hide a bag containing bananas and coconuts. You save your own precision and eat the headhunter's food. Okay, that's great. Okay. Add one stamina point. Okay. Uh, so I'm actually going to eat another thing of food too because, uh, yeah, because I want full stamina. Uh, you wonder if there are villages nearby. You decide to climb a tree to get a better view. From the top, you see smoke rising not far away from the southwest, perhaps from a village. Directly west, you see trees gradually thin out away in the far northwest. You see daunting shape of a volcano. You climb down the tree and plan which way you want to head. If you wish to keep going west, turn to page 229. If you wish to go northwest in order to circumvent the smoke, turn to page 12. Uh, no, we're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go 229. We're going toward the smoke. As you hack your way through the thick undergrowth, you hear the distant sound of drums coming from where you saw the smoke rising. If you wish to head southwest toward it, turn to page 337. If you prefer to keep going west, turn to page 113. Nope, we're here to kill the Lizard King. We have one mission. Is to kill the Lizard King. Okay, slowly you hack your way through the dense jungle, not really certain of the direction in which you are heading. Later, you catch a brief glimpse of the sun through the trees, enough to orient yourself and head to the west. Turn to page 7. Okay? Alright. I'm kind of lost here, but that's alright. This is for Mungo. Pressing on further west, you notice that the ground is becoming wetter and softer. Soon you are ankle-deep in water. The trees thin out, and you find yourself wading through thick black mire. The marshland stretches out in front of you, as you can see. Suddenly you hear the sound of squelching behind you, and are surprised to see a strange creature run past you. It is small, with green reptilian scales. Its arms are long and hang down to the ground, and it moves rapidly over the marsh's wet feet. It pays no attention. If you wish to call it to the creature, turn to page 317. If you keep charging west, turn to 158. Uh, let's try and call it to the creature. Be like, hey, what's up, fella? I'm a, I'm a guy. Uh, okay. The creature halts suddenly and looks over its shoulder to stare at you in bewilderment. Its wide open mouth and pink forked tongue dart out of recoils just as quickly. Its big eyes look full of sorrow. But then you realize that the creature is a cunning marsh hopper. 
Despite their pathetic appearance, marsh hoppers will often leave unwary victims in the layers of carnivorous marsh beach for the price of a few scraps of meat. However, no creature knows how to cross treacherous marshlands better than a marsh hopper. The marsh hopper beckons you with its head to follow across the march. If you wish to follow it, if you wish to continue west alone, turn to page 158. Ooh. You know what? Let's turn to page 58. Let's follow the marsh hopper. I'm feeling gutsy. I'm feeling like we're going to take a risk. Uh, it's going to be bad, though. We're going to get a giant plant, and then we're going to have to fight it, and it's going to poison me to death. Okay. Sinking knee-deep in the slimy marsh, you struggle to keep up with the agile marsh hopper. Suddenly, it turns south again and beckons you to follow. If you wish to keep following the marsh hopper, turn to page 3, 235. If you wish heading west, turn to page 37. All right. Uh, let's keep following the marsh hopper. 235. Okay, 235. Let's see here. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. That marsh hopper is a piece of work. After a short while, the marsh hopper turns west, and you and you, and you you wonder whether it's turning into a, into a trap, whether it's picking the safest path in the marsh. Your thoughts are soon answered as a massive beast rises out of the mire in front of you. It's a two-headed hydra with slithered towards you on its giant slug-like body, both of its heads stretching forward to bite you. If you have a spear, turn to page 272. If you do not have a spear, turn to page 229. Ah, or page 29. I don't have a spear. I'm about to get eaten. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay. As your hydra closes in, you reach for your sword and prepare to fight. Oh. Oh no, this is a. This is. This is. This is. This is not good. So both heads you make uh, will make a separate attack on, uh, on you in each round, but you must choose which the two will fight each time. Attack your chosen head in a normal battle. Uh, against the other, you will throw your attack strength in a normal way, but you will not wound it if your attack strength is greater. You guys count as three. You defended yourself against the bite. Of course, if the attack strength is greater, it will wound you. If you win, turn to page 389. Okay, folks. So this is not good. This is a toss-up if I'm actually going to win this. Okay, so first hit. Seven. So we're basically rolling dice. Eight. So he does two damage to me, and, and then I have to do the other one, too. Which I just have to defend against. Nine. I defend against that one. So this one. Seven. Six. So I, so let's see. Okay, I'm gonna write down. I'm gonna write down uh, one head and two heads. So I'm gonna just do damage this one. Two, the first one. Okay. Eight. Oh, twelve balls. Okay. Five. Okay. Yeah, I actually do two damage to it. Okay. Now defending myself. Ten versus five. Dodging and weaving, dodging and weaving. So, this is the one I'm attacking. Seven, eight, dang it. Okay, now I get to defend myself. Okay, good, good. Eleven, okay. Still bobbing and weaving, using my sword. There we go. Twelve, okay. Okay, they also have like a lot of, like nine stamina each. So, now I get to defend myself. Four, oh. Oh, it got me. It got me. Mungo! Five. I'm gonna attack this one. It gets me. Now I gotta defend myself. Six. Oh, Mungo! Oh no, Mungo! <laughs> oh no, Mungo! Okay. All right. All right. I didn't want to have to do this. Um. Hold on. I have to actually check about the luck because I, I I hardly ever use luck in battles. So uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, appropriate stamina. Okay, let's see. Because I think it, it like it reduces your luck each time you use it. 
uh, you wounded your creature, you used like two points. Oh, again, you may use luck. Uh, so yeah, so we want to see uh, using uh, luck. So various times you use luck. Uh, let's see that you have been lucky. Uh, if you have higher luck, you penalize testing your luck. Oh, I've just subtracted by one point. Okay, so 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 we have to we have to kill this thing. So all right, so we're attacking it. Seven, seven, no damage, and then I have to defend myself. It does two more points of damage. All right, it doesn't matter now because I'm almost dead. I have to I have to kill this thing. So I'm gonna have to start burning luck. So that's seven. Okay, I'm gonna have to burn luck. Try and reduce that. I do. My luck is now seven. And I only take one point of damage to two. But I'm at 15 damage. I have barely touched this freaking Hydra. Nine, six. Okay, so defended myself. Now it's on to the attack round. Getting these mixed up. Four balls. Test luck again, and I make it, but I take one point of damage. Oh my goodness. All right, attack the guy. Six. Dang it, I'm going to have to test luck. To test it. I'm at five luck now, but I take one point of damage. I'm, uh, okay, I'm almost dead here, folks. This Hydra is... Uh... All right, five. Seven. Dang it. All right, test luck, folks. This is it. If I don't make this luck score, the, the Hydra's going to bite my head off. I make it! Okay. Alright, I only take one point of damage. My luck's down to four. Alright, now I have to defend myself. Damn it. Alright, I gotta get four less than luck. I don't make it. I try and bob. I say, Mungo! Mungo, I'm coming home! <laughs> as the, as the, as the Hydra just, just, both of them, because I didn't even kill one of the freaking heads, uh, just utterly, uh, devour me. And then rip me to pieces. Oh, that is some. This this was a this was a mean one. This was a really really mean. Like everything is super 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 tough in here. Have to fight like a level ten crab right away. Oh jeez, this is this is this is a tough one. All right, well, so so much for Ralph and Mungo and the Island of Lizard King. Uh, I didn't even get to an hour, folks. My goodness, this one just just utterly like wrecked my face up. <sighs> Poor Mungo. Poor Ralph. They died a pointless death. <laughs> Alright, folks. So ends Island of the Lizard King, Finding Fantasy book number seven. <sighs> Here lies Mungo. <laughs> Good night, folks.